Cool. I'm qualifying till 9.30. Um, hi, Kelly B., uh, compulsive overeater. Um, it's, it's such an honor to be here. I'm a little nervous because uh, this meeting was one of the meetings that helped to really transform my recovery. Um, so I'm very, very grateful um, to be here. Um, so I'll start with what it was like. Um, what it was like. I, you know, grew up... Um, Eating was my solution to everything, um, you know, eating extra pizza, eating pasta, uh, you know, extra servings of everything. Grew up in a big Italian family. Um, there's a lot of alcoholism and food addiction in my family. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that was how I dealt with life was that. Um, so as, as I, you know, moved throughout my childhood, around 15 was when things really started to shift. Um, I, I was like, I, I was more conscious of my body and I was like, I need to lose weight. Like, I, I, I can't be this obese person anymore. And um, I go to, uh, I actually came to OA. I went to two meetings and, um, you know, the first meeting, you know, I was the youngest person there and people were talking about God and I was like, I want none of this. <laughs> and then the, the second meeting I went to, my mom was there and she was crying. I was crying, both admitting we have a food addiction. And then we're just, and then I was like, this is too emotional. I can't handle this either. Um, so, <laughs> so I go to a diet program instead. Um, <laughs> Um, and uh, we do this diet program. I lose 20 pounds, and then now I'm cured. So, uh, so then we leave the, leave the program, not doing the maintenance or anything. And then, of course, now the story continues, like, up and down 50 pounds every other year um, for the next 11 years. Um, but at least the seed was planted. At least OA was planted at that time um, for me. Um, also, around that time, you know, unfortunately, my dad, you know, got two DWIs, and, you know, he, he was forced into AA. So I, was, I had an awareness of what AA was um, from, you know, that year that he was in recovery. Um, so, you know, the 12 steps were entered early, which was good. At least I knew it was there. <laughs> um, and then, you know, uh, go to college, you know, I, I, I fall into, you know, I'm, now I'm binge drinking, I'm binge eating at night. Um, but for some reason, the work side was doing well. Um, so I think, okay, I'm going to leave this family after after college and just go to California and all my problems will be solved. Come to California. Um, I follow myself to California and <laughs> my problems are not solved. <laughs> um, it gets worse. Um, you know, and that's the, you know, in the big book it talks about the progressiveness of this disease um, where, it, you know, you know, six months in the desk job, whatever, and now I'm, I'm circling around the desks at the company, you know, picking up the donuts, you know, picking up the, the, the cake and whatever free food was there, I was there to eat it. And um, then, it, you know, I, I was doing okay at the job. But then all, all of a sudden, like, now food's my focus all the time. It, like, 90% of my brain was on how am I going to eat this, how am I going to lose weight on this, and how am I going to, you know, be able to do all of this while trying to maintain this. Um, so I do that thinking that, okay, well, maybe it's just another diet plan again. Like, so I do a, marath I do a marathon thinking that'll fix me. Get down to a regular body weight, and I'm still miserable. Um, and then I do another marathon, you know, and in between that, my dad passes away and, you know, of alcoholism. And I just, 
my solution to dealing with the grief of that was another marathon. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, and, and then I have another great, I mean, and, and this is, you know, as, as in the big book, it's like, you know, I very much relate to Bill's story because, you know, you knew you had maybe an issue, but then you continue to do the same thing for two more years. Um, so that was my story. Um, so after the marathon, now, now I start to have the notion that I know better than 2,000 other people in this company. Um, so then I quit the job and then do an entrepreneurial venture, didn't have funding, my mom's paying for my rent, and I have these grandiose ideas that, oh, I'm going to be great at all of this, like, I'm going to make millions of dollars, you know, just the insanity of, like, when I'm eating, I, I don't know the, the true from the false, I don't have any reality of what's actually happening, I, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's this high that just takes over every part of my life. Um, meanwhile, I'm ruining relationships, too. Um, and, you know, so now I have a year of this entrepreneurial venture thing where I'm, you know, uh, I'm not talking to family. I'm not talking to a lot of friends. Um, and towards the end of that, um, that summer, 2018, I, you know, I have one friend that's consistent in my life. And I go on another binge, another bender. Um, I gain 10 pounds in a week. And then I decide that I can't let this friend see me. So then I just stop answering the phone. Um, he called me 15 times that summer, and I just didn't pick up the phone. Um, and, you know, all is to say during this time, this is where, you know, finally got me back to OA. Um, you know, so then I, I was ready to give up. Honestly, I was like, I'm going to move back to New York. I'm going to go live in my mom's basement. And then that's going to solve whatever the problem, even though I ran from that. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. But in my mind at the time, it made sense. Um, so that week, um, I was like, unless a job falls from the sky, I'm moving back to New York and living in my mom's basement. And a uh, job fell from the sky that week. Um, and that also that week, I was like, I, I heard this booming voice that if you don't go back to OA, um, you're going to lose this job. So I come back to OA, I hear someone talking about their sugar addiction and how, you know, she keeps, you know, a bag. It was actually, it was the Serenity Sunday meeting. She keeps a bag of, like, um, gummy bears, sugar, whatever, in her drawer next to her bed so that she has it to, you know, feel better about whatever's coming up for her. And I was like, that's so weird, but I really relate to that, that ha how many foods have I hidden throughout the house that no one would see. I mean, I remember as a kid, I would eat a pizza at home without anyone knowing, got, would get delivery, and then I would hide the pizza box under my bed. So when she shared that, I was like, all right, I'm in the right place, still don't like what they're talking about with God, but um, it seems people are, you know, generally happy. Um, and then I hear a birthday, and uh, someone sharing about how, you know, they've been in recovery for 20 years, um, how they have this beautiful life, and this sanity, and, you know, just so wonderful. And I was like, I don't think I could ever do that. I don't think I could abstain from, you know, certain foods. So, I, you know, that's too much. That's, that's, that's the extreme. So I'm not going to do that. So, you know, for the first year, you know, I, I worked with a sponsor. We just did the AA 12 and 12. And unfortunately, that didn't give me recovery. I also wasn't willing to admit I had alcoholic foods. Um, so I, I didn't want to believe I was a true compulsive overeater. I didn't want to believe I had an addiction to sugar. Um, so I tried to control my food in moderation, and of course that didn't work. So my first year in program, I was binging throughout it. 
um, second year, um, still couldn't admit the allergy, um, still had issues with that. You know, I was doing service. You know, a lot of you guys know me. I was doing, you know, lots of service and, you know, calling newcomers and sponsees. And I was like, why can't I get this? Why am I still miserable? You know, and at the time we were even working through the big book, but it's some, I would read the big book, I would relate to it, but then I would forget it. Um, and then I wouldn't know, and then, but still, not, not admitting the powerless over the first part of the step. So I could never really fully take a step one. And then finally, October 2020, I got miserable enough where I was like, this program's not working for me. Why am I still killing myself? Um, and then, you know, I worked with a sponsor that, you know, had me finally fully take step one. And it, it like, it forced me because I was like, this, it's either this or, you know, now we go to oblivion. Um, so I take a, a step one and we go through the big book in three months. And then my life has completely changed since then. Um, you know, everything about my life has transformed. I, you know, I have, you know, a higher power that takes care of me and loves me, um, you know, direct results of the steps, um, you know, uh, you know, around the third step that time around, um, you know, I hadn't talked to my mom for two years, you know, and, and Kathy knows that, you know, it was really, it was really painful, you know, and it was a therapist that said, you know, you can't be talking to your mom, um, because, you know, mesh, whatever, um, outside stuff, but, um, so there was a lot of pain around that relationship of, well, what my mom didn't do, how she didn't protect me, all of that stuff, um, but I was still eating over that type of stuff. Um, you know, maybe that was, who knows, who knows. Um, so on the third step, I heard on one of the podcasts that, I don't know what it specifically was, but it made me, you know, and these are those God shots we get. Um, it made me melt away the pain around my mom, and it let me forgive her, and it let me forgive myself, and it let me let go of all of that. And now I was able to finally see my mom as a person that did the best she could. Um, and she, you know, is such a wonderful human. And there were so many great things she did, you know. And I wanted to focus on all the things she didn't do. Um, and that was a beautiful revelation. So, I, you know, I called her the next day and we had a beautiful conversation. Um, and then, you know, it, and over the course of the last year and a half, we've really built a beautiful relationship. Like we, um, you know, we play pickleball together, you know, I, I, I now visit her in Florida. Um, and this is a relationship I wasn't sure if it was ever going to be repaired um, because that's how much pain was encompassed in it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been repaired from the grace of God and from, from this program. Um, you know, and I've gotten a lot of other miracles from it. Um, you know, I made an apology to the, the boss that I thought I was smarter than. <laughs> and he actually referred me to my current job. And I believe that's the reason I got this. I mean, obviously God's directing all of this, but I believe he was the reason I got this current job. That's so fun. I started it this week. I uh, started on Monday. Such a great group of people. Um, it's, you know, beyond my wildest dreams. Like, it's the... Oh, um, you know, the big book promises, like, you know, if we put spiritual recovery first, we get, we do get these promises, you know, a financial recovery is to come, relational recovery is to come, all of these wonderful things. Um, you know, relational, I've had huge recovery there. I never had a boyfriend, never had any relationships prior to um, coming into 12 steps. And I, I was like, am I unlovable? I mean, I don't understand this. Um, but then after I finished the 12 steps and, you know, got a good finished my recovery, 
Um, I, you know, I met my boyfriend, and uh, now we've been together for a year and a half. And <laughs> uh, it's a wonderful relationship. It's an honest relationship. Um, you know, he, he knows my program and, and God and all that this comes first. Um, you know, he's still sleeping, <laughs> you know, and I'm here. Um, and it's, it's, so, it's so beautiful um, because I'm able to have, you know, I'm able to have, I'm, I'm building the emotional side of my life now um, because that's something that was so shut off. Um, you know, I really believe food took the place of a partner. Um, you know, uh, you know, having, I remember just, you know, a few years ago, ketchup being on my pillowcase next to me, um, you know, and then fries throughout the crumbs on, on the bed. You know, this isn't a sexy disease. This is a very sad, sad thing um, for me. Um, so, yeah, that, that's been a beautiful gift. Um, my, rela- my work relationships have really switched um, where I'm there to be of service. I'm not there. Um, to try to dominate other people or to take hostages, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's just such a stark contrast. I mean, and that's what we're promised. You know, we do the work and then we're promised for a complete psychic change and like a character change that lets us be released of this disease at a day at a time. Um, you know, I have three sponsees right now. You know, I always have a sponsee that's active in the big book. And then my other sponsees, like, you know, it's, it's been told to me that, you know, we don't just abandon sponsees. You don't take them through the big book and then just leave them. So, you know, I do, you know, I still have my calls with my other sponsees. Um, but, you know, it's such a beautiful life and it's a pleasure to give this gift and, and, and share it with others. Um, you know, I'm, this, I mean, this program has completely changed my life. Oh, and another thing, I got to um, start a master's program. I applied for a master's program in the last year. I just finished my first quarter, got two A's so far. <laughs> And the funny thing is, is that I used to, like, this is, like, the character change is just all there because I used to, like, look down on people that, like, did a master's. Like, you know, for whatever sick reasoning, like, but, um, but now I'm like, wait, but this can open you up to other opportunities. This can open you up to other things. Like, this gives you different avenues. Um, And, you know, it's still more spiritual growth at this master's because it's, like, it's forcing me to confront things that I haven't confronted, um, and it's wonderful, and, you know, I think that's God-given, too, um, and, you know, I remember in school, I just wanted to get out of school in undergrad. I didn't really want to be there. I mean, I, I used to have the motto of D's get degrees, um, <laughs> so, you know, parents didn't like that motto, but, um, you know, I didn't care as long as I graduated, I was fine, but now I'm, like, I take pride in, like, showing up to class, doing my assignments, doing the best I can, connecting with other people, connecting with the other students. Um, it's just completely different. And but the, the thing in the message I want to get to anyone who might be struggling today is that this is available to all of us. Um, a life beyond our wildest dreams is possible for all of us. If we do the work, we do the steps, we do what's outlined in the big book, we can get this recovery too. Um, and I'm just, I'm so grateful for the life I've been given here. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I just, you know, if I could ever be helpful to anyone, please, um, I'll put my number. Um, I don't really know what else to talk about. <laughs> 30 minutes is a long, long share. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, the gift of Zoom has been also great. You know, I, I mean, a lot of people in this room um, has, have gotten to witness the four years I've been here. Um, so, uh, 
Yeah, it's, it, it, it's cool. You know, I've got, the, you know, I love in-person meetings. I love seeing everyone's smiling faces. And, and Zoom was also a gift, too. I got to meet so many friends from New York and Texas and all these people throughout the country. Um, you know, actually, yeah, my sponsees aren't even in <laughs> this, this time zone. Well, I have a sponsee in Vancouver. I had a sponsee in Germany for a while. Um, I have one in Colorado. Um, so it's such a beautiful fellowship that we're worldwide, and OA has, so, has grown so much over the last few years. Um, so very grateful. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can go into the Q&A. <laughs> 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 um, Time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Please also remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Um, cool. Anyone have any questions? Thank you so much for your share. It's always so nice to see such a glowing human before us, um, evidence of this program. Um, when look at your sixth and seventh step in terms of your character defects. Can you tell me like which ones um, have been expressly stubborn and which ones you were like, whoa, that's so gone? Yeah. So the question was, uh, you know, for step six and seven, um, you know, about character defects. Uh, okay, so stubbornness is probably my main character defect. <laughs> that hasn't went away. <laughs> um, you know, it's been lessened, um, but you know, that's something that, you know, luckily there's people in my God squad that I listen to where, you know, when I was between transitioning to this new job, I was like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm quitting. This, I'm quitting today. Like, and then <laughs> my sponsor was like, you're not quitting today. And, you know, and I, and I had already made the decision. I was ready to do it. And, you know, she was, she made me pause. So, so that's, that's God working in my life for my character defects, where it gets me to listen to my fellows um, to say, okay, I don't know why she's telling me to pause, but I'm going to listen because this person has known better than me in other instances. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I have, to be, I have to keep being asked like, for my character defects to be removed or lessened, um, you know, because that's something that, I mean, and those are like the pebbles in the shoe, I feel like where, you know, something happens, I get angry, then I'm like, okay, what is my part in this? And then it's, you know, okay, uh, this is my part. You know, is it just in my head, or do I, do I have to apologize to anyone? Um, so that's kind of, I guess, you know, and then I ask God to remove it. Yeah. Um, how did you get from the point where you came into the program where the whole God thing was really uncomfortable for you to where you are now with your relationship with prior power? Yeah, um, I had to let go of the childhood faith. Um, you know, I had, you know, grew up in a very strict Catholic family. Um, and, you know, just the way it was taught to me growing up, it was like very manipulative, very like, you know, forcing, you know, you must follow the Ten Commandments, like that type of stuff. Um, so I had to really like let that go and see this God as like something else, you know, something that was all loving, cared about me, was forgiving, um, you know, knows me fully, understands me fully. Like, you know, yes, I pray, but 
God knows what's on my heart, you know. Um, and I think that was just even just as I was working through the steps that, you know, this last time, um, just trusting that, you know, in step two, just trusting that there's something there helping me. You know, I don't think I actually have like a full conception of what my higher power is. I think it's just I know something's helping me. And if something's getting blocked, like something that I want, like, then there must be or must be a reason why, you know, and who knows what it is. But then that's where I just have to trust that something's going to be worked out um, or, or figured out or whatever. Um, you know, all I could do is take the action. So I do take a lot of action. I, I do take a lot of like, okay, is there anything in this scenario that I could take action on? And if there's not, then now it's time to like let it go and let this higher power handle it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it, it'll continue to grow as you know I move and program. But that's kind of my general idea. Oh yeah, you know, so how do you be around these once formally challenging relationships like your mom or like other intimate relationships without being reactive or being triggered by things that maybe used to trigger you? Mm. Um, I mean, I, I do feel not that my mom's changed, but it, it almost feels like now that I'm in like a loving and tolerant spirit of her. She actually doesn't bother me, really, anymore. Like, it's like, I don't know. I, I, th- I think I had a huge part in, like, her reactions to me. You know, I think I, like, would piss her off. Like, I would get her, you know, riled up. And now that it's, like, very sane and loving, that's, like, you know, I talk to her in a very kind way, you know, I, I t- tend to get feedback from her that's very sweet. Um but I'm trying to think about other maybe people that trigger me. Um, well, so I did, so Kathy knows about this one. <laughs> so, you know, am I actually two jobs ago? Um, you know, I had a coworker that I was very jealous of um, that she would trigger me because um, you know she, she, she seemed to be the boss's favorite. You know, and this is the story that I told myself that, oh, she's the boss's favorite. They care about her more. They want her to be succeeding. They don't want me to succeed. Um, and there had to be a shift within me that I'm jealous of her. Why am I jealous of her? Um, oh, because she has these things. And, you know, I, and my sponsors at the time were saying, like, well, you can also have those things. You can also – those things are available to you, too. You know, so it was kind of like almost a reframe, you know. And actually, I'm actually friends with that girl now because she's actually, we, I mean, we've, it, it's, it's crazy. Like, I made my amends to her um, because, you know, there was things that I would do to slight her and whatnot. Um, you know, and then in the, in the last coming years, like, I hired her as a consultant on one of my projects. Like, you know, we have a good relationship now. So I think it's like I always have to look at why is someone triggering me, like, and, and see, like, what's my part in it. Um, because usually there's something that I'm not acknowledging in myself. So, yeah. Thank you for your share. Um, you talked about it took you a while until you really fully embraced you know, the program by doing a deep dive in step one. But can you talk more about that? Yeah, I mean, I think the the boot the food <laughs> the food beat me into submission. <laughs> I mean, I, I just really was, I was tired of, like, killing myself. I mean, you know, 
I couldn't believe that I was in program and I'm, I'm delivering three pints of ice cream to myself and then calling that abstinent. I mean, that's, that's insanity. Um, but I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I didn't want to be a compulsive overeater. I wanted to prove I could eat like other people. And I just couldn't admit that sugar was an issue, you know, but all of the evidence shows that sugar is an issue. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to admit it, you know. And, and, you know, and I also think about my dad and how he couldn't admit his alcoholism either, you know, and it took him to the bitter end, you know, it took him to death. So I was like, if I'm like my dad and this book is telling me something, you know, that's, that's accurate, then, like, that's where I'm headed, you know. Um, and that, I think that's finally what got me to work as if my head, head was hair is on fire. Because I was like, that's, that's the option. You know, you either get, you either learn, figure out how to, <laughs> not figure out, but, like, pray until you get the willingness to do everything your sponsor's saying um, to be lifted of this merciless disease. Um, yeah, I mean... I hope that, like, you know, I hope, I hope that everyone hits a bottom that gets them to a place where they're willing to do all of the work. Um, because, I mean, the option is like death, you know. You know, it's a slow death, too. So, yeah. Yeah, we did like, we would do like hour long sessions usually on Zoom because it was throughout pandemic. Um, so we would read the book, big book together. You know, I would have my, I, I would highlight, I would do my notes, I would answer questions, and then um, I would have them prepared for an hour's worth of reading with her. Um, so then we would go through, and, and the beautiful thing is, is that like, you know, I, I would go through what I highlighted, but then she would like add you know, her experience, strength and hope around different parts in the book too, or like highlight things that maybe I didn't see in myself and be like, oh, like, oh yes, this relates to me too. Um, so she really brought the big book to life because it's really hard. I mean, as supposed to overeater, it's hard to read this, read this thing and, and think, okay, how is this related to food? Um, and I think that's also why I didn't want to do the big book in the beginning either. I just wanted to do the OA 12 and 12 or AA 12 and 12 because I didn't identify as an alcoholic. I was like, my dad's an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic, you know. But then when I started to realize that this was the only option, um, you know, I, I was like, oh, sugar is, you know, I, I behave in this way. You know, I don't know which, where the paragraph is, but where it talks about, like, oh, you know, can he, can he take a drink? Can he control this? Oh, try beer. Only try alcohol. Um, you know, uh, only drinking before 8 o'clock or, you know, all of these things. So all of these rules I've put around food are the same with the rules that alcoholics have put around their substance. So I finally started to, like, relate to Bill versus, like, you know, trying to not relate to him and saying I'm not him. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, repeat the question. What's with the boyfriend? <laughs> um, 
I mean, I was very straight, straightforward at first. I was like, you know, I, I, I worked this program, you know, and I actually was still in my hospitalization period when I met him. So I, I was like, oh, yeah, I can't eat out. I have another week or two of not eating out. Um, so we went to the dog park on our first date, and that was really fun. Um, so I got to see how lovingly he looked at the dog and how he took care of the dog. So it was very attractive to me um, about how much he cares. His dog. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and, and, and we rub, and we, we run, I mean, he's not, you know, he, he does therapy, but he's not um, in 12 step. Um, and I run my life through 12 steps. So, you know, it, it kind of bleeds out into all of my relationships. So it bleeds out to the relationship with him. Like, you know, he always says, like, hell, you don't have to apologize. But, like, I know that if I've done something wrong or shady, like, I have to apologize because otherwise I'm going to kill myself over it. Like, I'm going to eat something. It's, you know, it's, it's like what's always the alternative with not making an amends, <laughs> you know? That's really how I see it. I'm like, you have to, I have to live this way of life. Otherwise, what's the alternative? Um, so, yeah, you know, I still make my amends to him even though he tells me I don't need to make an amends. <laughs> um, and uh, it's a very loving relationship, very different than, you know, my parents' relationship, which I'm very grateful for. Um, but, you know, it's because I, I look at my defects every day. I, you know, I do a nightly inventory where I'm looking at, okay, um, what did I do well? What didn't I do well? Um, you know, what character defects came up for me today? What strengths came up? You know, um, what am I proud of in myself? Um, so that's kind of... Yeah, that's that's how we work through that. Yeah. Could you share your experience in food weight, body image? Did you have a specific goal? Did you have like a goal weight? Did you weigh yourself? All that stuff around food weight, body image. Yeah. Um, you know, I you know I weigh myself here and there just to you know keep myself accountable. Um, but really, the body image stuff was really lifted, um, thank God, because um, I used to care so much about what I looked, what my what, what perception was. Um, but really, I, you know, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's I, you know, and, it, and this is only a personal opinion. And like, I feel like it's selfish for me to worry about what I look like. Um, you know, I do care what I look like to an extent, but... Not really anymore. It really was lifted where it's like, you know, people love me because of, you know, how I contribute to their life or how I help and how I support and how I show up as a friend. They don't care what I look like. You know, my deeper friendships and relationships are with people that we can have honest conversations and talk about real things. Um, You know, and if someone cares more about me for what I look like, then that relationship is probably someone I don't need to... You know, or they have their own stuff, you know. Um, so I'm really grateful that that is lifted. I mean, I do do a weigh, weigh and measure food plan when I'm at home. You know, I um, when I eat out, I don't bring a scale or anything. Like, you know, I trust that God is going to have me eat the right portion. Um, but when I'm home, you know, I, I do do that, and that's, you know, a part of my food plan. Um, so it has boundaries. Um, so, I mean, I know I'm not going to get up to a you know, I'm going to remain a normal body weight. But I'm only able to stick to a food plan because of the spiritual, you know, because of the connection with a higher power. Otherwise, like, I could never stick to a plan. Maybe for a few weeks I could stick to a plan, but then I would be binging and killing myself again. So, like, without without help from a higher power, I can't 
I can't stick to a plan, you know. First question. <laughs> um, okay, I remember the second question. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So the one with um, so she's actually my current sponsor, you know, because uh, because I was like, well, this is the person, you know, she's happy, she she, but she's also stern, um, but she's also loving, you know. She has all of these great qualities. Um, and she has a way of speaking to me, which is, you know, my higher power speaking through her, that gets me to listen. Um, you know, she was able to break through the stubbornness that, you know, I just have. Um, and I think, honestly, I think it was desperation. I was like, you know, I, I can't live the way I'm living right now unless there's a shift or a change or something. Um, something I'm doing is not working. Um, so that's, I think, ultimately what made me open-minded, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the, that's, you know, the bummer of, you know, I made an amends to him. Um, you know, I apologize, but he was really hurt. You know, he was really hurt. Um, you know, he let me made it, make an amends on the phone. I made it an amends in person. And then I was hoping that after we did the amends in person, like, we would start to heal. But unfortunately, like, you know, he, he didn't want me a part of his life. And, and that's kind of the part of step nine that like yes like a lot of these amends like actually build beautiful relationships but you know sometimes you know and and that's okay that's okay you know my door is always open like I'm ready to like write that relationship when I can um but I you know I caused a lot of pain you know someone that was consistently in his life and then I just disappear you know and you know unfortunately I had that with another friend where you know I made amends and then we were good great for a year and then, you know, this last year, while well, I've been really focused on my recovery, I wasn't able to show up for her in the way she wanted me to show up. And, you know, unfortunately, that one, you know, she's like, Kelly, like, I can't believe you didn't show up for me. You know, so it's, it's just, it's the, it's the humbling, you know, it's, you know, humbling me that, like, oh, you know, it, it just, it's, it's like those continuous, like, waking up of, you know, just because I have recovery and because I'm not killing myself with sugar doesn't mean, like, I'm a perfect person or anything, you know. Um, but, you know, those are things that bring me sadness, you know. But uh, God has a plan. That's, that's, that's what I've come back to. God has a plan. And the second I can make any of that stuff right, I will, you know. So, yeah. Thanks for talking so much about the steps. Could you talk about what uh, the fourth step was like for you? And if there was any particular resentment that was uh, kicking your ass? Yeah. Um, well, so we've done this fourth step three times. <laughs> the first time, but, you know, it, it was just... It, 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 I didn't even do my part in the first one, so I don't know if that one really counts. <laughs> the second time around... It was 42 pages. <laughs> and, but the thing is, I was binging. Th- th- that's the sad thing is, like, you know, you know, I'm a manipulative person. Like, I, you know, I'll, I'll 
have a have a binge that's thousands of calories and then and say, oh, I'm so abstinent. You know, it's just that's the insanity of when I'm in the sickness. Um, so that one took me six months. Um, and, you know, it, it was healing. But yeah. And then and then this last one, um, you know, it was really like what the big book said, where it's like, OK, 19 words or less. Explain what the problem is. You know, I did the columns. Um, probably the hardest one was probably my dad, you know, um, my dad and my mom. Um, my mom had already started to, like, you know, shift. But with, with my dad, there was, you know, some things that I had been holding on to. Um, but, you know, I just see him as, you know, he's just he's a sick person. He was a sick person. And, and that's okay. But, but the thing is, it's like it's generations of that stuff, you know. Um, so the fourth that it was hard with him. Um, but... Um, yeah, I, I'm grateful. I've, I can see it, you know, right to eyes today. Yeah. So, yeah. What time is it? Oh, five minutes. Um. So, what are you afraid of today? Um. What are you afraid of? Financial insecurity is something that comes up for me. Um, that, you know, that one has popped up a few times. Um, so I generally, you know, I have, I have to work a lot of 10 steps around that one. Um, and what's another one? I mean, it's, it's so funny because the book says like 100 forms of fear. So like, I'm sure <laughs> I have like 100 forms of fear. It just depends on when they're hitting me as a, you know, uh, that asking for it to be removed and, you know, talking to a fellow about it. Um, you know, there's, there's some things about, you know, my boyfriend that, um, you know, that bring fear um, about future and stuff. But the thing is, I can't, I can't do anything about the future today. I really can't. So it's um, it just the coming back to reality, coming back to what does my higher power want me to do today? Like, I have no idea what's going to happen in my career. I have no idea what's going to happen with my relationships. But, you know, how can I show up as a decent person today? And, like, that daily reprieve happens. You know, if, if I just focus on, okay, what's the actions for today? Like, everything else works itself out. And now I have evidence of everything working out. So, like, whenever I get into these little fear spirals, um, I have evidence that it has worked out in the past, Kelly. So, you know, I have to, uh, you know, recognize that. Yeah, and then fellows always bring me back to, to reality. <laughs> Sorry, one more. Um, how is your relationship with the rest of your family, especially maybe concerning the history of things that used to be triggering for you or were traumatic also? And if they want to revisit and you're like, you've already come to peace or come with it? Um, well, <laughs> you know, the, my, family, my family, you know, they don't like to talk about feelings or, you know, so it's kind of like none of them are revisiting anything. <laughs> My mom was like, are we done making these a mess? <laughs> she had like three of them. Um, you know, it's, I think it's a living event with all of them now. But, yeah, I mean, I just accept them for who they are now. You know, my, my brother, you know, he has his anger bouts, but, like, it doesn't really affect me. I mean, I do also have, like, most of my family's on the East Coast, so I don't deal with it really day to day. Um, but when I visit, it's, you know... None of them really want to talk about that stuff. And that's fine because now I have the fellowship. I have a huge support network. I get everything that I was looking for in my family from the fellowship. 
and from God and a higher power and from the new relationships I've built outside the rooms too. Um, I feel very fulfilled that I don't need anything more from my family, which is, which frees them of like, I don't become resentful at them, you know. Um, and I'm sure things will pop up. I'm sure things will trigger me. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, right now, but right now nothing's bothering me about them. You know, I, um, I can find things that I like to talk to my brother about, find things I like to talk to his, you know, wife about. We love talking about dogs, you know, so I'm like, great, let's talk about dogs. <laughs> um, you know, and then I have my, my other relationships where I share more of my deeper, you know, inner, inner self, too. So that's kind of how I work with it. Fair time? <laughs> oh, yeah. Any, any minute questions? Okay. You're off the clock. Yeah. <laughs>